Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, coming to you from Knoxville, Tennessee, late on this Wednesday. I am now joined by someone who his his basketball team ruined ruined what would have been a beautiful first night break from from graduate school finals. I'd wrapped it up told the sports renaissance woman all i wanted to do was go watch the hawks sixers after i submitted my last paper and i was like i that's all i want to do i just want to watch joel Embiid <laughs> and the philadelphia sixers in pain sad very sad and the beautiful court the old school late 90s look and just trey do his thing and unfortunately uh after three quarters of that looking like that was going to be the case uh joel Embiid and the sixers uh ruined uh the start of my winter break trilbo dude how's it going uh first off thanks for having me uh, i appreciate that ran up top and i just want to say that it is a little bit of revenge mm. because you and your team caused me so much pain in the playoffs <laughs> uh-huh. so much physical watching game five was probably the worst experience i've ever had as <laughs> like and that's Keep in mind what has happened with the Sixers over the past decade, and yeah. that was the worst. The Lou Williams bench unit comeback, and then the Sixers absolutely collapsing, giving up literally the worst blown lead I've ever seen, and in just in classic Sixers fashion. So the, the two games so far this year, little bit of revenge, but I don't care until the playoffs. I hate it. Joel Embiid treating it like it was a rocky moment after the game didn't they that 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 ruined my night I could that was my lasting image and I'm like I have to sweep this team this in in May like I need to not like the revenge is I, I we need you in the playing game that's what we're fighting for oh my god we need you in the playing game oh god I, my heart cannot take another Sixers Hawks playing game series whatever it is anything that has actual stakes involved. Yeah. My my brain will explode if that happens. They really do hate each other, though. There's a real animosity. Trey was pissed. Oh, I don't yeah. think he shook hands after he walked off the field or walked off the field, walked off the court on Friday night. He was he was upset. Um, that was a terrible ending. It was it was yeah. terrible. I think it was. I think it's a fun little rivalry to yeah. be honest. Like I think that for a while the Sixers really haven't had any rivals. Like the Celtics are our rival, but they've just kicked our ass mm-hmm. so many times in the playoffs when it matters. And I feel like the Sixers and Hawks are a little bit more evenly matched. Like, I think any time that we play you guys, it feels like it's going to be a good game. Mm -hmm. So I am interested. I don't want to see you guys again in the playoffs. But obviously, we're evenly matched. We came down to game seven and, you know, there were injuries on your side, obviously, and Joel Embiid wasn't 100 percent. But we can make all the excuses in the world when two of your three best players choke in the playoffs and your coach has no idea really what he's doing uh it's not going to turn out great for you so ultimately i think that the sixers hawks thing will uh maybe be a little fun rivalry the, the, the nba just needs more rivalries dude mm-hmm. i feel like it's just kind of like the last one i feel like we really had was was the war i guess it was the warriors and rockets during yeah. the kd years like those playoff series were so fun and they were pretty evenly matched and it was the closest that the warriors ever came to losing a full strength series uh so i think that the nba just needs more stuff like this 
I think all sports do. Um, like we're seeing this in college a little bit where conference realignment messes up a lot of stuff with long-term rivalries. And um, I don't know. I think it, it's definitely something that we need and it makes the, the sport more fun when we have legitimate teams that do not like each other. I mean, look at New York and Atlanta. Trey is just a certified villain. Like he just has <laughs> New York fans yeah. game one just training F Trey Young like after the game. Like he's not even playing and Trey, uh, he relishes it a lot. And I think a lot of it comes down to also the players doing it right like they have to show that level of animosity and not liking each other and bring it on the court where you're like oh clearly these dudes do not like each other so it's not even just about the city it's about the players openly just being like we 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 are not cool with this person oh yeah absolutely and the thing about trey is like trey is from an entertainment standpoint one of the most fun players to watch in the nba Mm -hmm. but when you're going against him it is painful when he is just absolutely picking you apart i think the best example of this was actually in game one of that series when um he you know committed a murder against danny (laughs) green in the first half of that game and for some reason we had the brilliant idea to put the corpse of danny green who had been a bad on-ball defender against shifty guards the entire season and trey was beating him with his first step every single time which caused the defense to collapse and have to rotate and either the lob to john collins or clint capella was there or trey was just picking them apart with floaters and shots off the dribble but when you're on the other side of that it is so annoying because you know trey and i would imagine it's the same way with joel Embiid. whenever you play against joel Embiid, incredibly hard to stop but also on top of that, just will let you know when it's happening. We'll rub it in your face. And I I think it's great for the game. And I think that there's so much talent in the NBA right now. It's absolutely insane. Like you could make the argument that Trey is like not a top 12 player and you have a case. And in any other era, I think it, he's very clearly like a top 10 to I mean, he could and he will get better. He's still only like 23. Like he could easily be a top five player by the end of his career. But it's just the league is so stacked with talent right now that like having all these young guys mixed with the legends that are still in the game. And then you have, you know, obviously all of these MVP candidates in their prime as well. It's just absolutely awesome. You know, what's annoying, too, is like Ben Simmons would actually fit in this Atlanta team. I wish there was a way. No, he really would fit. Like if we did a cam or even DeAndre Jenner, you can have. Look, if there's one person you can trust, it's uh, an Atlanta Hawks fan. When it comes to any kind of trade with the Atlanta Hawks, um, <laughs> what I'm going to go ahead and say. Is, oh, are you going to give me Solomon Hill? Oh no, he's out for the season. He's out for the season, but his tweet game still strong. Um, did you <laughs> I see what saw he? That earlier. Yeah, it's great. The Buddy Hield thing. Yes. But he, he, he said he was going to basically pray for him because he's still on the Kings, which absolutely rocks. It, it's great, and I love that players all around the league know this too. Um, no, I think uh, Solomon Hill, like he's not quite at the Udonis Haslam level for Atlanta, but like I don't think we should discount the possibility that Solomon Hill should remain an Atlanta Hawk for the next thirteen years. Uh, there's just. <laughs> something to him being like that presence he's great like you need the presence he's whatever for whatever reason never gonna be a plus minus killer for you doesn't matter he doesn't do anything particularly well other than on ball defense he's a big body he's great um very pro solomon hill on this podcast protect solomon hill at all costs but (laughs) you can't have solomon hill he's not on the block who i was gonna throw out there is a very very healthy a very very good long like the the longevity is there with deandre hunter uh we traded up in the draft (laughs) for him for a reason and look i'm not saying this is great i i mean here's the thing i'm not just going to give you a young guy i know you're in win now mode 
can I interest you in a Danilo Gallinari? Oh, yeah. He's, oh, wow. Yeah. You're just blowing me away right now with this offer. So The spacing is funny. right there. So you know what Danilo does that Ben Simmons doesn't do. He spaces the floor. And if you're worried about the, the back issues and the, the three back surgeries, think again. He's looking great this year to start off everything. And the pick and pop threat with him and Joel Embiid, the just defenses are going to be so bamboozled with those two. So I think if we can sit down at the bargaining table, I think we can really get somewhere. If we start and end with Danilo Gallinari and DeAndre Hunter for Ben Simmons. So I will say this much. Mm. I've actually enjoyed Danilo Gallinari throughout his career. I think the prime peak version of him would fit very, very well with the Sixers. He even had some moments in that Sixers Hawk series. I mean, he basically sealed the series for you guys mm. when he stopped Joel Embiid at the end of that game. And, and he is, you know, obviously past his prime and there's all the injuries and stuff. But I think that if the Sixers were to sit down with the Hawks, there's just never going to be a deal that they can come up with because Daryl Morey has set his expectations so high. And like, I like some of your young players and in theory, like if Deandre Hunter were able to stay healthy and be more consistent and probably Look, he's probably, ready, you trade him, right? You trade for him right now. He's, he's from in. Philly. Yeah. He's, there you go. he's from Philly. Cam Reddish is from Philly. Do some homecomings. I didn't know. I've Cam never was from been Philly a big too. Cam yeah. Reddish guy. I've never thought that he was that good. I know that he, he got overrated because he shot 100% from three against the Bucks in like a five-minute span. But those and were some beautiful looked, five minutes. It was. And he looks like an all-star. That's the thing that Cam Reddish has always had going for and him. And he's young. He's young. He looks like an all-star. And he just – his defense is good. He just seems like he should be better than he actually is. And – if the Sixers were in some sort of three-team trade and some team was, you know, in love with the idea of the upside of Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter or any of your young guys, I think that the Sixers would definitely be interested. But the problem is that there's just – the stat, the trade market is stagnated right now. There's just – we're waiting for a bunch of teams to kind of figure out what they're going to do. And other than the Pacers, it doesn't really seem like there's going to be a ton of sellers – upcoming that have valuable players on their team and i just don't even know why the maury would I, i'm gonna go ahead and guess none of those three stars uh quote unquote stars in indiana are on daryl maury's list uh no none yeah. of them fit well the thing is is that none of them fit uh except for malcolm brogdon yeah and malcolm brogdon just signed his extension so he can't be traded until next season and there was a deal that was rumored that was malcolm brogdon and a first round pick there was also malcolm brogdon karis lavert in a first round pick for ben simmons and apparently the sixers turned that down and i think that the reason that the sixers turned it down is just simple it's not that malcolm brogdon isn't good it's that he just if you're building your team around Joel Embiid, you can't have your second best player be Malcolm Brogdon. Like he just has too many injury history, too much injury history, and just he's completely unreliable due to that. So it's basically what it comes down to is like Daryl Morey has his unrealistic list of 30 players and until one of those 30 players is either on the block and the Sixers can overpay with Ben Simmons or there can be a three-team trade or whatever it is it doesn't really seem like anything's going to get done and I would not be surprised if this goes into next offseason that's preposterous like does he get the full check though if he doesn't play all year if he chooses not to play, he will not get paid. Okay. But it, I'm sure that will be elevated to the Players Association. I'm sure there will be a big deal made about this. Goodness gracious. Would you take a McCollum package at this point? 
I was interested in a CJ McCollum package. Well, prayers up for CJ. Apparently he had a, you know, collapsed lung. And oh. Yeah, he, this happened yesterday. The news came out. But I, I, apparently I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm apparently not or like. A, yeah, I'm a podcaster, which is just as important as doctors. Right. We're like we have the most important job in, in the, the world, basically. Yeah. But people need their is, takes. <laughs> the thing is, it's like medicine takes, you know, they're both in the same category. <laughs> yeah. But uh, CJ McCollum apparently has a collapsed lung. Um, so. I don't think he's going to be traded anytime soon. But prior to all of this stuff that happened, I was interested. There were two packages that were floated out there that I was at least tempted by. And it was the Malcolm Brogdon package and the CJ McCollum package. And the reason why is because I think they both fit really well with Joel Embiid. And I think that if you're able to get some draft capital in those trades – that you can then swing another trade, maybe using Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris's salary to get back that actual second guy. Because I like Brogdon and I like CJ, but in theory, they should probably be your third guy on a championship team. And if Joel Embiid's your one, then you really need to upgrade that second position from either CJ McCollum or Tobias Harris or whoever is your second or third best guy. So, I mean... I don't hate the idea of CJ McCollum on the Sixers if he can obviously be healthy and and all that and he's okay. I hope he is. But what it comes down to is like it's just Daryl Morey is not entertaining any deal that is is based around that. Yeah. Um, and then you have Bradley Beal giving weird quotes. So who knows what his I can't stand these guys, man. I can't stand <laughs> Beal and Dame. They drive me literally insane. Like, OK, wait, why does Dame drive you insane? His whole stuff is like, I want to stay no. here. And people oh, are like, bullshit. does he total bullshit? He, oh, here okay, we go. You know, he yeah. hung out with Anthony Davis and LeBron James to get business advice mm-hmm. over the summer. And I I will go to my grave believing that he was going to ask out when he got back from the Olympics and that true hoop article coming out and basically letting everyone know that he was going to first off Henry Abbott, innocent. He was not lying. I, I will go to my grave believing that that was going to be the case. He was going to ask for a trade. And once everything got out there and he saw the reaction and there was some backlash, he basically pivoted and now he's full in on Portland and that's fine. If he wants to retire there, Totally fine, but stop leaking articles to Chris Haynes. Stop talking about your meetings with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I'm just like, if you're going to stay there, stay there. And same with Bradley Beal. Like, just just stay with your shitty teams or your average mid-mid teams and just let everyone else move on. <laughs> but it also makes team building so difficult. And this is the other side of the coin here is that, like, I don't know, like, if you're Tim Connolly, like, this is driving me nuts because, like, uh, or Tommy Shepard, rather. And he had this, like, Bradley Beal coming out saying, Embra- like, Bradley Beal is embracing being able to dictate what I want future to be where I want it to be. Okay, what does that mean? What in the world does that mean? Does that mean you want, like, you're going to be day by day? Does that mean you're committing to here? Is this the future that you want to be? Or do you just always want to have the power to eject whenever? Because how are we supposed to build a team knowing like that's your stance what does that mean i, I don't know i couldn't imagine yeah as a i GM. mean but also like you have to think about it like this if i'm the washington wizards 
I'm trading Bradley Beal. Mm. And I know it sounds insane, but like, first off, he's not Damian Lillard. Like Damian Lillard is a bona fide when healthy. We know that he can be a top 10, top 12 player in the NBA. Bradley Beal's very good. And I'm not a Bradley Beal hater at all. Mm. He's a top 20 guy, a top like he's a very good player. He'll never even come close to being the best player on a championship team. And if my goal is to contend or is my goal is to build a team that can go deep into the playoffs, I don't want Bradley Beal's my number one guy and now they're getting to the point if you're thinking about team building you're going to give a super max to a non-top 10 guy how many times have we has this happened where this just falls apart it literally just happened to the washington wizards with john wall and john wall at his peak was better than bradley beal so my whole thing is like if you're going to do a team building thing giving a super max to a guy that isn't a just bona fide top guy on a championship team like i just think that it's or at least has the potential to be i just think it's a mistake yeah and it's because like he just was meant to play alongside trey on a on a contender and that is something (laughs) that we can't uh we can't ever look there well the thing is is that like i think he would help you i mean he would be great as a secondary scorer next to trey i think he would be great with Embiid and philly i think he would be great with with what they're doing in boston and i think ultimately what brad boston's weird i don't even know if he'd be a good fit on boston watching lakers celtics last night the celtics are a weird team they're like Jalen didn't play but that is a weird weird team they're not – they always feel like they're going to be – they peaked so early yeah. that it felt like they were going to dominate for like a decade. And I do still think that like a fully healthy in-rhythm team in Boston is a very good team. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that the, that Tatum and Brown have hit their high-end outcomes that we thought they were going to hit. Tatum's awesome. He was going Tatum's, off. He had like 14 Tatum, last night. And Tatum's great. Yeah. I'm not even – but but ultimately what – being a superstar in the NBA means being consistent. Yeah. And Tatum is just – has – still has weeks and months where he is not consistent. And he might get there. He's still very young. He's still 23. Like he could figure it out over the course of his career. But – for trying to maximize this window while you have Brown on this really good contract and you have Tatum in his pre-prime, getting a third guy, whether it's an all-star level player or making a home run swing trade based around like a picks package if a Damian Lillard or whoever Bradley Beal ever comes available, that's probably their best bet to taking a step to contention. I just don't really see those two being like the guys unless they continue to make leaps and leaps and leaps the thing is though in 83 with bird so here's the thing larry bird in 1983 he was going at it and you had dominique wilkins on the opposing side rising for the atlanta hawks and you have to look at just the amount of talent that the celtics had in the early 80s and you got to also look at where Kyrie uh really sideswiped oh sorry hold on i was i was, I was uh, uh wrong podcast um <laughs> um no i don't know i just think a lot of it is just ball creation like it's just weird how they're constructed like grant williams is he's a good defender he does stuff robert williams is like maybe my second favorite player to watch in the nba i love robert williams he's great 
his dunks are preposterous like his so much fun they're they're so good but he dunks over dudes and he gets high like he's dunking over anthony davis last night it was it was just wild he is a wild player to watch in real time because it does he reminds me a lot of clint capella i mean he's old clint he's capella old, I, I don't yeah, know if you've watched yes. a lot of hawks this yes. year especially yeah. hawks on friday with clint capella yeah. Yeah, <sighs> I meant the, I meant you know prime peak Clint Capella. I'm sure there's a Twitter account. Wait, hold on. Can we get Elton right? Brand back in that Philadelphia front office? <laughs> and instead of DeAndre Hunter and Danelle Gallinari, can I interest you in a three big lineup? The East is big, man. Shout out to Mike Woodson of Andre Drummond, Clint Capella, and Joel Embiid. Well, Elton Brand Simmons. might also want a Kongwu. <laughs> oh. I love a Kongo. <laughs> a Kongo's gonna be a star. Like that's the other thing. Is really, like, you think to... he's gonna be a star? You guys draft so well; it's kind of insane. Well, hits and misses. Like DeAndre Hunter, I think is a miss at this point because availability uh, is just something that people. That's, that's outcome based. That's not. I. I well, I mean, you're still if you trade up in the lottery, like that's True. part of it. Like you can't True. miss on stuff like that because this is a big trade chip and this. Like he hit on trade. That's a huge win because of where it was, but like also the problem with that is he traded Luca to get trade. It doesn't matter. He still picked the second best player in the draft that year. Um, Trade's he, inching up on Luca, man. I think trade just gets better every year. I'll say. That I much. hope so. Yeah. I hope so, but I I don't know. I, I'm not there yet, and I think if you put Trey in that, never mind. I'm not doing the Trey Luca thing because no, it I upsets my Atlanta fans. Luca's in a bad situation. The Mavs suck. Right, and I just think also if you gave true serum to like Travis Link and you were like, hey, no question to ask, if you could flip uh, Trey Luca today, what would you do? Yeah. I don't think it's a hesitation. I mean, Luca was like the best 20 year old since LeBron. I don't yeah. think that any GM out there wouldn't do the same. Yeah, and you look at the surveys. Like Luca dominates those. Which guy would you build around of the young? What is it under twenty four guys? And he just dominates the last two years. So I, yep. I, I, I don't think uh, that's a outrageous take. Um, but it's also like I'm still enjoying the heck out of Trey. Like he's awesome. I'm glad he's in Atlanta. Like it all, it's great. Like he has been phenomenal. And you move on. You don't like uh, keep going over the past like that. But yeah, I don't know. I. The thing about Schlink, he's drafted really well. Um, I think Nkongwu is going to be a guy who defends all five positions. He's like a souped up Dwayne Dedman, which I'm a big Dwayne Dedman guy. Dwayne I like Trey. He was a sixer at one point. I like Dwayne he Dedman. He was everybody. Too. Hold on. Who has yeah. Dwayne Dedman not played for at this point? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, you'd probably have an easier time figuring that out. Yeah, uh, but he's awesome. And Trey does really well next to pick and pop bigs. And the difference with Capella is he's a pick and roll big and it works with the Spanish pick and rolls and all that kind of stuff. But I do think having a Kong Wu and Collins when they're at the five and they space up and they just give more versatility in the half court. That's nice. But I think a Kong Wu is just like what we saw, especially in the playoffs with his defense. Is... Yeah. He looked great against that in that Sixers series, man, when he, he wasn't getting a ton of run, yeah. but he had moments where I was like, wow, this guy really looks like him and Maxi both really mm-hmm. impressed me last year in the playoffs for rookies, usually not having any sort of impact on games. Like Maxi kept us in game six. A Kong Wu had some really big moments in that series. And I, w- I was really impressed. Yeah, Maxi, but it was more the Milton game. I almost broke my TV for the Shake, Shake Milton, Milton game. <laughs> that game, I was, I, I, I just, I cannot even, I, I can't, I think there's still video of me just losing my mind um, because that whole series was just amazing. But the, the Shake Milton game was, uh, was, was not fun. Did not enjoy that whatsoever. I can't imagine being on the other end of that because it was totally – Shake had played – Shake started off the year amazingly. Yeah. He was arguably our third best player for the first month or two of the season. And then he fell off a cliff and then just rose like a phoenix from the ashes in that game. I have no idea what happened. But uh, 
But I do just want to say, last mm-hmm. thing on, on the Hawks. Wait, I, hold on. We can't do last thing on the Hawks. I have one more story about the Hawks Sixers series because it's just okay. a big part of my Fair 2021 enough. sports life, apparently. Fair enough. All right. So I just want to say, I think Travis Schlenk has done a really good job mm-hmm. building around Trey. Like, I think it's really hard to take, like, and obviously Trey's an elite talent. He's the engine that makes everything go for the Hawks. But, like, yeah, his his record isn't perfect. But if you think about, like, where you guys got Herder, good player. Where you guys got, like, all, most of your free agent signings. Like, Bogdanovich did a great job for you guys last year. The, the Capella trade did well at, at least up until this year. And then you think about, you know, Hunter obviously having the injuries and stuff, but he started to look like he was really coming along last year. Mm. And then you have like I was never a big Cam Reddish guy, but I understand the upside swing of taking Cam Reddish where you did, because if he ever pans out, he does have potential to be like a really legit player. I just never bought that he was. So I and then a Kongwu, I liked him going into the draft. I think that he's going to be a player. So I just think ultimately building around one player is a lot like when you have one true superstar and like obviously I didn't even mention John Collins, who was a mm. home run for where he was drafted. But ultimately, like building around one player is a lot harder than it sounds. And I think he's done a very, very good job. And the fact that you guys got to the Eastern Conference Finals already, even with all the circumstances of last year, is just unbelievable. Yeah, this is good. I like this. You're going very positive on the Hawks. I wasn't expecting this. Do you want to do 20 minutes on the Tennessee Volunteers? i don't have much to contribute there but um no so game one i was on vacation in uh, jacksonville so i made it a point i was like i gotta go through i was rocking the the vintage kirk heinrich hawks jersey and i went to this local sports bar for for the breakfast and i was like hey she was like are you really what like a vacation i was like i'm not going to the beach i'm like i'm either watching this game on my phone or my i like on my laptop at the beach or we're going somewhere like i I don't know what to tell you like (laughs) that's happening so (laughs) one way or another this is happening and uh i i just went in and there was some philly there was a lot of philly fans like a lot of philadelphia people in florida and they were down mm-hmm. and getting away for the summer and all that kind of stuff and wait what lo- part of florida jacksonville okay jacksonville right okay well that's weird never mind i was gonna say we have a lot of fans in like tampa clearwater area okay. but that's that's weird to me jacksonville. well see i have family from philadelphia that live in jacksonville that's oh, who we're okay. staying with. so i'm not anti-philly like uh my cousin derek diehard eagles fan um I'll allow it. I mean, I won't hold it against him. It's raw. It, it, he's in the right family. He, it's a bird. It's just the wrong sort of bird. Um, <laughs> not. It's not dirty enough, if you will. So I was losing my mind because the first quarter, as you remember, 42, like I was doing the caw-caw, like after everything, it, I was extremely obnoxious, like just losing it. Game one, like I was here oh, for yeah. it. Like I thought we had a chance in the series. Like I, I, I really believed in the series. And then the fourth quarter. They keep chirping. They like they think they're coming back. They they flip the script. I think y'all had forty something in the fourth quarter too to storm yep. back. Don't ultimately do it. You, someone missed a, a late big shot. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Embiid or somebody else. It, it was probably been, Tobias Harris. He it may have been every, Tobias. Every late big shot <laughs> in his career. <laughs> but they were like, "You got that one," and they were just so upset. And I was just like, "I think I." I may have belted out an ATL shouty like that may have may have come out of my <laughs> mouth at some point but it got really intense towards the end because they were all just the Philly of like that like Philly doing this we're better blah, 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 talking a bunch 
of smack in the fourth quarter because I was so hyped up in the first. But uh, alas, we learned Atlanta over Philadelphia always. I I honestly can well not always Philadelphia mm-hmm. actually the Eagles beat the Falcons in the playoffs I don't know if you remember that actually I, multiple times multiple times but, yeah no there's a, a the, <laughs> like at the, the 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 big playoff game which was McNabb back at um the AstroTurf field what was it called the yes. vet Oh uh, right? yeah, the vet, yeah, yeah veteran it, stadium. That mm-hmm. was, I think, that was the last year that we were in the vet before we opened up the new stadium here. But yeah, it was yeah. not fun. I remember that one very vividly. It was a bad game. Oh my god, yeah, and the Falcons Eagles game that uh, that uh, Julio Jones almost catch in the end yeah. zone, and then Eagles go on to win the Super Bowl. I mean, there's Great. there's a lot of, of history between our cities when it comes to these uh, these uh, sports rivalries. But the uh, the thing that I, I have to go back to in that Hawks mm-hmm. Sixers series is the fact that, like, all things considered, I felt like the Sixers were, were the better team just due to, like, all these things going into the series. But I, I, I said it on my podcast, and I said it before the playoffs started, and I was like, there's one team that I feel like will give us a lot of trouble that I don't feel like they're better than us, but I feel like they match up really well with us. And it was the Hawks. And it was largely because Trey has, has been a Sixers killer his entire career. Like, even going back to his rookie season when b- before he was consistently great, he was absolutely destroying the Sixers. And we have and, – and Embiid, as great as of a defender as he is, he's always struggled with vertical bigs. You guys had two of them. So I was like going into it. I was like, I don't feel great about this. And then ultimately what it came down to is every possible thing went wrong for the Sixers. And the Hawks were just – I hate to pull out like a cliche boomerism, but like <laughs> you guys were mentally tougher than us. And like it felt like our biggest players were shying away from the moment. And it felt like the Hawks just were this young upstart team and had the perseverance to kind of be like, fuck it, we're not supposed to be here anyway, so let's just go out there and hoop. And that turned out to be what swung the series in game five, really. Like, I mean, I felt like it was pretty even up to that point, and then we were crushing you guys, and I was like, okay, we're the better team. And then, nope, you guys come storming back, and, uh, you know, ultimately that's what the playoffs really come down to. Absolutely. Um, well, in terms of the, the, the Sixers, because I did have some other Sixers things that I wanted to pick your brain about. Um, Tyrese Maxey, now that he has an expanded role this year, 20-plus uh, games now, what do you what are you most surprised about him in a bigger role, and what do you think his ultimate ceiling is as a player? Is he part of your core? Is he, like, is he a all-star potential player if everything goes right? Where are you at with Maxey? So Maxi was my guy pre-draft. I did not expect him to fall to us at 21. I always do every draft. I do my like big board and he was literally number one on my board, like of guards that could potentially land with the Sixers if everything broke right. Somehow he fell all the way to 21 with us. And I'm, I've always been extremely high on him and his potential. What I've been impressed by this season is essentially he is just doing everything that he showed flashes of last year, but he's actually like 
expanding his game as a passer, as a playmaker. He's like his floater game is absolutely elite. His his touch on three point shots has been better this year. He's getting to the line more like he just has more of an expanded role and he's taking advantage of it. He's had a little bit of a slump recently. He he had a really during that time that Embiid was out. We kind of let him run the offense a little bit more, and it and it definitely helped him kind of show what his offensive potential could be. Now, I think he's definitely part of the core with the Sixers if there isn't some sort of no-brainer massive – now, if Damian Lillard becomes available tomorrow, the Sixers are trading Tyrese Maxey. Like, that's mm. just the reality of the situation. Like, Embiid is in his prime, and as much as I love Maxey and as much as it would break my heart to see him go – if there is a situation where they can land another top 15, top 20 guy and he fits with Joel Embiid, then Tyrese Maxey will be expendable in in that case. In any other instance, I don't think they're going to move on from him. Uh, I think that he will be viewed as as part of the core. It's going to be interesting to see because Maxey really thrives with a pick and roll big. And he was doing really well with Andre Drummond in that role, and it was really helping his scoring abilities and and his just his abilities to run the offense in the half court. And the Joel Embiid fit is a little bit clunkier. Joel is a post up big who you know he's pretty much the only remaining post up big that's just like an absolute force because Jokic and Cat and the guys that thrive in in the post can also stretch it out to the perimeter a little bit more than Joel Embiid and. I do think that that's a little bit of a clunky fit, which, of course, Sixers fans are very familiar with. We just did this with Ben Simmons. But I do see Maxi potentially – like I saw – what I saw in those two weeks, like if he can at 21 years old do that, I think you're looking at a potential all-star. I think he will at least make one or two all-star teams in his career. Um, just He has a crazy work ethic. He is just has the skill set of an all-star. So right now I view him as part of the core unless it's like some no-brainer trade that's out there that someone becomes available that we don't think will. But ultimately what it really comes down to is maximizing the Sixers championship window with Joel Embiid in his prime. And as much as I love Maxi, like it might just not line up like he's 21. Joel Embiid is 27. Like if there's a trade out there that you can make where you have to get rid of Ben Simmons and attach Tyrese Maxi, then yeah. There, there, that might have to be the move. But for now, I, I'm just enjoying the Maxi experience a lot. I think he's going to be a great player. I like it. I like it. Um, in terms of like what you thought this year was going to be once it became clear that uh, Ben Simmons was not going to be a 76er ever again, what has surprised you most about watching this group and what has surprised you the least? I would say what has surprised me the most is that like – they're really resilient, weirdly. Like it, it felt like last year, and well, last year they were they were very good. They so they there weren't a lot of times to like show that resiliency, but like past Sixers teams, like their mental makeup has been kind of flimsy. Like I feel like they would let teams back into games too often, as you know. Uh, they would have a lot of collapses. They would do all these things when guys were out. When Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were out of a Sixers game before the season, I was like, oh, we have absolutely no chance. And yeah, their record isn't great without Embiid this year. It's like 3-8 and eight or 3-9 and nine or something. But they were pretty much in every single one of those games except for the Utah Jazz game. And the Utah Jazz are one of the best teams in the NBA. So I think... 
what has surprised me the most is just like they have a lot of fight in them and they are just like they're pretty good and a little bit deeper than I thought. I think that they we have some playable bench players for the first time in my life, it feels like. And also on top of that, like I just think that like the top the top talent on this team is better than I expected them to be. Like I didn't expect Seth Curry to be better in an expanded role. I didn't expect Tyrese Maxey to take another step. And of course I expected Joel Embiid to be Joel Embiid, but ultimately I guess what has surprised me in, in a bad way, like has just been Tobias Harris, like Tobias. Ultimately, I think the best move for the Sixers would be moving on from Tobias Harris. I think he's a good NBA player and this I'm not a Tobias Harris hater, but I just feel like if you're trying to maximize the window in Embiid's prime, your best your second best player, your third best player, whatever you want to describe him as, he he can't be a post a post up ISO mid-range heavy ball stopping guy who's inconsistent on defense. It, it turns down open threes all the time. Like you need to, around Joel Embiid, what you need is you need connective passers and you need high volume three point shooters. That's what makes a half court offense around Joel Embiid so hard to stop. And I feel like everyone can kind of fit that mold except for Maxi. But you 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 view Maxi as kind of your perimeter guy that can run the offense, put some pressure on the rim, run some pick and roll, give you some different looks. And ultimately, Tobias Harris, it kind of throws a wrench in everything. So it's going to be hard to move his contract because he 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 makes way more money than he should. And that they'll probably have to attach things to get rid of it. But like the Sixers are four and oh in games with Joel Embiid and without Tobias Harris. And I think they're like seven and four in the games with both of them. And that's obviously small sample size. That's not like a huge thing to take from it because they were good with him last year. But like. He's not a playoff performer. He's more of a regular season player. And like ultimately it would probably be best for them to try to find some sort of trade that they could move on from him uh, in addition to Ben Simmons. So it, it makes it harder. If they were to able to land a Damian Lillard, he might be able to cover up some of that stuff and it wouldn't be as big a deal. But if they don't, then I think that Tobias Harris's tenure as a sixer, this will probably be his last season with the team. Well, be his last season because he's on a expiring contract, and you guys didn't give him a long term deal, so it's it's an easy clean. No, uh, we have we he has two more years. Oh, no, I was I was I was being facetious. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Yeah, I know. It it's it's a, he's he was good tonight against the Hornets, but like they were short, and also he's an all time great in theory player. And oh, absolutely! Like yeah, he's first he team looked- All NBA for in theory guys. Yeah, number number one uh, trade asset like five times. mm Hmm. Yeah, and hey, great Tennessee ball. Who can forget? Um, oh, right. How else can you see the roster being improved before the trade deadline? What uh, what else can they do? Can Daryl Morey do to to beef this up so they can get back towards the top four in the in the East? Uh, trade Ben Simmons for Steph Curry would okay. be a good start. Not bad. Um, <laughs> um no, one I step, two step, like, three step, yeah. It would be great if mm-hmm. if you could trade. Honestly, the way that they will. If Joel Embiid can stay healthy, which has always been the biggest question mark in his career, and maybe he won't, and maybe, you know, this time it actually wasn't an injury, it was the COVID stuff, so, like, he obviously can't help that. Not that he can help injuries, but for for the first time it was something that wasn't a knee or a back or whatever injury that he had. Mm -hmm. If Joel Embiid is healthy, the Sixers are going to be a top four seed in the East, like – 
I don't think people realize how dominant of a regular season player Joel Embiid is. And honestly, if you look at his playoff on-offs and his playoff impact stats, he's been a top five playoff performer from the past four years. He's been a regular season monster. The Sixers are 50 and 15 in the last 65 games that Joel Embiid has played in. And right now they're 11 and four when he plays and the team is a little bit deeper. So he doesn't have to get, he, he hopefully won't have to get as much run and some of these wins are a little bit, you know, like they're winning a lot of close games, which you don't want to see because then Joel has to play a ton of minutes. But like ultimately the best way to improve the Sixers is moving on for Ben Simmons and optimizing the fit around Joel Embiid. If Daryl Morey is unwilling to do that, I do think that the problem is that like they don't really have a ton of tradable contracts. Tobias Harris makes too much money, so you can't really trade him. Uh, Danny Green is kind of looking wash but he's a really good fit with Joel Embiid and like he's an ideal kind of fifth starter he has been on championship teams before Seth Curry's on a bargain deal like they don't have a ton of moves that they can make but just generally speaking if you want to build around Joel Embiid like just get shooting like that's just a proven winning formula and put shooting around Joel put enough defense so that he doesn't have to be the entire defense and you will probably end up being a top four seed there you go. There you go. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Uh, what are the best and worst in-game traits for this team? Are there is there a certain kind of rotation that really works that you like that a lot of people aren't paying attention to yet? Uh, is there a certain type of play style that's working well more so than what you saw last year? Is there something that Doc's doing? Like, is there any ATO stuff? Like, what has stuck out to you on that front? Um. I think that one of the things, and you you know this because Nate McMillan does it too. Mm. One one thing that Doc does that drives me crazy is the all bench lineups. Yes, um, it's just like, and when they work, he looks like a genius. But when they they fail, they fail big time. Um, I mean, really, so far this year, I feel like one of the things that has worked for us is just the stuff that has always worked for us, running the offense through Embiid in the post, making it so that, like, I think Seth having a little bit more of an expanded role has definitely helped from, like, a shot creation, three-point volume standpoint, but ultimately, like... Doc figuring out, like, like, he falls in love with players so much, and... A lot of the times it's veteran guys and he doesn't tend to give young guys the run that they should. And so far this year, like, for example, Matisse Thibel, his defense hasn't even been as good as it has been in the past. It's actually regressed a little bit, which is kind of crazy because he's been like an all defense level guy for his career so far. And the offense is just so bad. Like he's just still not a good. I don't know if you remember this, but you remember in the Hawk series where like there was like. We had the opportunity to go up seven with like three minutes left and Matisse Thibel was wide open and missed a three like yes. that happens every single game. And it seems like Thibel gets the benefit of the doubt. And I like him as a good young player, but like he kind of is who he is. And I would I would honestly like to see Doc just like if he's going to run these all bench lineups, let Maxi run the all bench lineup or let Maxi run the mostly bench lineup, because I think that 
having Maxi and Embiid on the court at all times is a 100% must for your half-court shot creation. And that is ultimately what will kind of take this team to the next level because a lot of their offense so far has been like when Maxi plays with the starters, he just kind of stands in a corner sometimes. And he's not a great three-point shooter, so it doesn't really do anything. Letting him run that so that he can do pick and rolls with Andre Drummond off the bench and basically have have a balance of your starters and your bench players would be really beneficial. Ultimately, I think Doc's actually a pretty decent regular season coach. He keeps guys motivated. He basically he's I always say he's like a vibes curator. Like he's he's good at like basically being like, hey, you might have your opportunity tonight. Like he just threw in Isaiah Joe the other night, who he's a guy that comes off the bench. He's from Arkansas out of college. We got him in the second round last year. I'm a big fan of his. And he came off the bench and he shot three for three from three. And then he played decent defense. He only had like a 12 minute run, but then he just like never plays again. And I would like to see some more consistency of Doc just giving some of the younger guys opportunities. And he's shown that he's actually willing to do that this year with Maxi. But like you have to be incredibly impressive. So ultimately, I just think that like I would like to see more of Doc figuring out the balance between the starters and the bench units because – in the playoffs, you can't run those all bench lineups, dude. Like they might work sometimes in the regular season, but they're almost always a disaster past the first round of the playoffs. So just get those out of your mind and let's figure out our rotations, our eight, our nine man rotations and not our 12 man rotation. There you go. There you go. Um, last thing and we'll wrap up here. What is your strongest, strongest Philadelphia take? What do you think ultimately happens with Ben Simmons this year? Oh, honestly, if you had told me coming into the year that I would be saying this, I would probably say I was insane, but I really don't think they're going to trade him. Like, I just think that it's going to go into next offseason. Like, I think that the Sixers, I think Ben Simmons is a very good player. I'm not anti-Ben Simmons by any means, but I do think that he limits any team's ceiling that he's on. And like, if you can't play half court offense past the first round of the playoffs against like good set defenses, then you really don't have a ton of value to a team like the Sixers. And because of what happened in the Atlanta series, it was just on full display. And now he really has no value. And right now it's like, I think that they'll just wait until next off season and hope that the trade market shakes up. And I guess my hottest take would be like, I think the Sixers are just as good without Ben Simmons in the playoffs as I think in the regular season, they're a better team with Ben Simmons, but I think they could be just as good in the playoffs uh, as they were last year. And like, I still think the East is a little bit better, so it probably won't matter. And they might lose in the first round due to that. But uh, I don't think that they're any worse without him when it comes to after the first round of the playoffs, really. All right, there you go. Trilbo dude, how do we keep up with your work and your podcast this week? So yeah, uh, I am doing. I do two podcasts a week. My podcast is called You Know Ball, a mostly Sixers podcast. You can find mm. it on iTunes, Spotify, you know, all that stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at TrailBroDude. Um, I did some stuff on the Trailblazers and them falling apart earlier this week with my buddy Nihilus Bucks. Tomorrow I'm recording with our friend Mark Schindler, and we're going to talk about the Indiana Pacers kind of blowing things up. So I talk about the Sixers, but I also talk about the NBA. But yeah, so you know, Ball, a mostly Sixers podcast. And uh, thanks for having me on, dude. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Fred Van Beat, OG Abobi, Chill Road Dude. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Crew. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but um, 
Did you I, did you ever hear that the Blue Chew ad that oh, Keith Pompey did on his podcast? Oh yeah, I I, I am familiar. Like like I said, this to, is all from me, by the way. I've been I was such a sicko listening to all these old podcasts. <laughs> they're so good. I mean, the, the the ad read will never be topped. Like there's one particular ad read that will just it, it's never going to get topped. But no, like that that's how we bring everything full circle here. Is uh it. If I'm if I need a laugh, like I'm I'm putting on one of those, and it it always cracks me up. It, yeah, it never R- fails. R.I.P. R.I.P. Locked on Seventy uh, Sixers. Unfortunately, there's a new host of it. Uh, Keith was on the podcast, but Keith is a lot more tame when he has on uh, a, a co-host, so he doesn't give us as much fire content. But <laughs> it was a great run, and I will never forget it. Pun intended. Um. <laughs> Trouble, dude. Thank you. <laughs> I'm cracking up at you playing that. Thank you. <laughs> Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs>